So you ever given a gift to somebody that got a non-response, just a hmm, much less uh, being able to receive gratitude for it? It can stir up some reactions, especially, dare I say it, among parents. If my oldest son, Andrew, uh, if I gave him a present and he didn't say thank you, I guarantee there'd be two results. There'd be a lot of time in a Netflix-free environment, for sure, and he probably wouldn't be getting a gift again anytime soon. Anyone want to concur with that strategy? Drop an amen in the comments if you're with me on that one. It's a good thing that Jesus is more gracious than us, even, even than me as a parent. If thanks were a way of acknowledging a gift, what would it look like if we didn't acknowledge the, the gifts that Jesus gives us? Let's check out this story of a group that received a gift of new life, literally, from Jesus. And their responses are go one of two ways, depending on which person you're talking about. This comes out of Luke 17. This is one of the cool things about Luke's gospel is that it is often focused on Jesus' interactions with the outcasts, with the people who are marginalized from society, the people who uh, the, the uppity uppities would not even give, the, give them the time of day. So that is absolutely a theme that comes out in this story uh, from Luke 17. This is verses 11 through 19. Check it out. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, Were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. You know, it seems like there should be a simple theme across this passage. And using this passage as just an example, it seems like there should be an easy way that this works out. Be healed, be thankful, be on your way home. Of course, it's often easier said than done. Sort of, we will often skip that middle part, that be thankful part, right? Especially if you grew up in the church or if you have lived with the idea of Christian ideals or Christian ideas for a while. It helps to remember just how valuable those gifts are. And a story about lepers is really a great place to start because it reminds us that like us, they come to Jesus with nothing. They are, they are complete outcasts. They are off on the, the edge of society because on Jesus' way to Jerusalem, as we'll explore here in a bit, Jesus hears the lepers cry. And word about Jesus and the reputation about Jesus has even reached this outcast group, however it had happened. Now, by law, they, lepers, had to stay a hundred paces away from anybody. God forbid they came closer. They had to cover their mouths and cry, unclean, unclean, warning others so that they could go um, get distant. So physical, they would do this so that physical and by extension, spiritual impurity wouldn't be passed on to them. Sound anything like social distancing to you? 
that we are experiencing today where it's, you know, put on your mask and stay six feet away. I guess that's not 100 paces, but same kind of idea sometimes it feels like. Maybe it helps understanding or going through that social distancing that we've been for the last eight months. It helps you to get the desperation that they feel for connection, for interaction, for community. Because they were required by law to live outside of the village. As we read in Leviticus 13, 46, He, the leper, shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. They couldn't worship. They couldn't be around loved ones, family. If the Pharisees were good at one thing, and yeah, they were good at a couple things, but if they were good at one thing, it was reminding outcasts of their situation. And given the conditions that this is an outcast community, it's presumed that this is a mixed group of people from all different kinds of beliefs. We have Jews and Gentiles together, the Gentiles being Samaritans, people the Jews just did not ever mix with, two groups that hated each other, and leave it to leprosy to break down those walls of exclusiveness. As Warren Wiersbe puts it, uh, what difference does birth make if you're experiencing a living death? Right? What difference does birth make if you're experiencing a living death? What, is it, what does that sort of stuff matter? So they take one chance to cry out before Jesus enters the village and ends up out of earshot. And note what they say in verse 13. They, they called out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They realize their desperation. Some of them may have been in that leper community for decades even. And they'll cry out for anything that will cause the situation to change for them. That might give them a glimpse of hope. Perhaps they're not knowing exactly what that might look like, how, what they think Jesus is going to do. But they're like, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. But here's a good thing. As Jesus responds in a way that they might not expect. We see it in the next verse. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourself to the priest. That's an interesting way to respond to people who are calling for mercy. Go show yourself to the priest who will never show you mercy. And the lepers were at the mercy of the priest. The, the priests were the only ones who could declare them clean and let them back into society. So notice here, Jesus doesn't just snap his fingers and heal them. While they have leprosy, he says, go and see the priest. So you can be declared clean. And they're called to obey before the cure comes. So, you know, we so often say, if I could only feel something, if I could only see some improvement, if I could only experience some joy or have evidence in myself, then I would believe. Especially if they're going to make a 50-mile trek to Jerusalem to see the priests. That was not just hop in a car or, or grab a bike and ride it and you're there in, you know, a couple hours. That was a big deal, especially with people who may not, you know, if they've been out of society for a while, they might not even have sandals and they've got sores on their feet in the desert going 50 miles to see the priests on the hope that they are going to be declared clean. And I hope the disciples caught Jesus' order of operations again here. Because they were asking for the very same thing earlier, in a, in a sense. In Luke 17, 5, they said, The apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. Well, you want to know how God answers a request like that? Well, here it is. 
You ever notice how sometimes God works in stages, even in answering prayer, even in answering cries for mercy? If you were heard last week's message, maybe you felt the frustration in Jesus' words in Mark 8, where he says, For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. There's that order of operations that I talked about last week where it's first they lose their life, then they save it. First, they take that step of faith. In this case, for the lepers, they take the step of obedience and then they get to experience the saved life, the healed life, the you're allowed back in society life. Jesus doesn't just tell the ten, go and you'll be healed along the way. He just says, go and show. And it's not the only case. You know, I'm one, if you have been checking us out for a while, that I'm one for track records. I'm one for um, seeing the patterns of how God works or how Jesus works in the Bible. So here's a little bit of God's track record. You know, in uh, the book of Acts, we read about a guy named Philip who is told, go south on the road to Gaza. This is in um, Acts 8 or Acts 7, I believe. Acts 7 or 8, one of the two. And it's one of those, what on earth are you talking about, God? Why would he make that path? Why would he make that jaunt? But he's obedient, and eventually he learns the point of meeting the Ethiopian eunuch. You have Abraham way back in the, the Old Testament. Leave all that you know, your country, your language, all of that, and go to the town of Ur. He doesn't even get that. He's like, go to the place that I'll show you. Just start walking and I will get you and I will get you there. You'll discover the blessings when you get there. Moses, a guy who starts out his ministry, if you will, or his mission, tell the Pharaoh of Egypt, let my people go. How's that for what on earth? He doesn't lay out the whole plan. He just takes one step. He's like, you know what? Go to the most powerful person in the world right now and tell him, let my people go. Let the slaves go. It'll make sense in hindsight, God might say. And that struggle or that frustration that we experience hearing a story like this or or experiencing it for ourselves, kind of being in the middle of praying for something and not yet having the answer or not yet having the full answer that we expect, it hopefully gets us to lean into God, the God who sees that way through and who leads us in that way through. And when the one, the foreigner, as Jesus is clear to point out, the outcast of outcasts, experiences that way through, and he gives thanks for it, his relationship with God grows exponentially. See, Thanksgiving is one of those things that grows our relationship with God, with the God who gives us all those blessings to be thankful for. Follow the logic here a little bit. Um, If communication is important to a relationship, You think about a spouse relationship or a friend relationship or a parent-child relationship. Communication is pretty vital to make that work. And if prayer is a way of communicating in our relationship with God, then Thanksgiving always gives us plenty of prayer material. One of the struggles Christians can say in their prayer life is, I don't know what to pray. I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to pray about. Well, Thanksgiving... (laughs) is a place we can never go wrong. Here's just a few ways we can get practical about it. 
as far as having that material to pray for or, or ways to be thankful or to keep thankfulness right there in front of us, try keeping a gratitude journal by writing out a couple things each day that you're thankful for. Even if it's on a scrap of paper and maybe even if you don't hang, well, if you hang on to it, that can, the cool thing is that can allow you to see that track record of places that God has blessed you along the way, especially when you're having a rough day. Maybe set aside time with God exclusively just to pray about thanksgiving. Just to say, start off every sentence with thank you for. And you could do that for five minutes. You could probably do it for five hours. Or when you pray over meals. This is one of the things that our kids have started doing more and more often. Take time to give thanks for things other than the food you're about to eat. Such as family, friends, other blessings, um, our kids had started doing this in school and they start doing it at home. It's like, wow, that's kind of neat that their prayers are actually, their prayers before a meal are actually prayers. It's not just like this hiccup before we finally get to dive into dinner or lunch or whatever it is. Maybe if it's your thing, write God a thank you note for his goodness, for his love. And, and do it um, rather than just a, a journal of documenting the things that you're thankful for. Write God a thank you note like you would write to a friend or to uh, to a spouse. Your entries may not be as world-rocking as the leper being healed, who literally is given new life on the spot, but we all experience small blessings daily. Joni Erickson Tata is a uh, Christian writer who was injured in a diving accident back in the 60s, and she became a quadriplegic. Um, and she says, uh, among many of the, the books, and she became known for for painting using a, a paintbrush in her mouth. Uh, figure out the technique on that one. Somehow she got, she got it down. But she says, today, look around you. Surely there are small blessings, little joys, that tiny hints of God's favor for which you can be grateful. Don't, think, don't take things for granted today. Take them with gratitude. I love that. Closing line, don't take things for granted today. Take them with gratitude. So how do we live this out? Well, maybe it's a bit simpler than you think. As we'll see in this video where a lot of these ideas are, are starting to be put together. Let's check it out. I woke up this morning and was greeted by the sunrise. Thank you. 
sent a message to someone a thousand miles away. I washed my clothing. I returned home. A very ordinary day. experienced today could be considered unremarkable, but they are all profound blessings, the fingerprints of your hand. Help me to grasp the wonder in the small and the simple, to notice the miracles which surround me constantly, to see the beauty in the commonplace and take nothing for granted. Teach me to make gratitude a lifestyle, one which flows into love, rejoicing, and thankfulness. Every moment that I draw breath. That gives you something to think about. Now, here's my next step for you this week. Each day, consider one blessing you have received. If you need help, remember the examples uh, that are that come up in the video. The, even those little things. Even if it's just resorting to, I took a breath today. That's something to be thankful for. There are people who would love to be able to do that on their own, to take a breath. I bet the leper who gave things always knew how blessed he was. And when we give thanks, we remember, and we get to experience the joy that we're looking for by remembering how blessed we are. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you. It, it, we could just say that word for the rest of our lives. Thank you for all the blessings, for all you have done for us, for all the life that you give us and the way you allow us to experience joy in those little things. Help us to always be mindful of them. Help us to always remember and acknowledge those little things and the big things. May they, may our thanks bring joy to you the way it brings joy to us. We pray this in your name. Amen. <laughs>